The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Talk is Jericho's The Pot of Thunder and Rock and Roll. And Eric Andre, actor, comedian, and host of The Eric Andre Show on Adult Swim, makes his Talk is Jericho debut. He's also adding author to his list of accomplishments. Eric and his longtime collaborator, Dan Curry, have a new book called Dumb Ideas. It's all about the art of pranking, and they share some great behind-the-scenes stories about some of their most classic pranks. Eric tells you some of those stories coming up on the show as well. The book also has tips if you want to be a good prankster. Got some suggestions for pranks you can try at home. And you can get dumb ideas wherever you get books. You can get Eric Andre on tour as well. The Andre Explosion Tour is going on through December 16th. EricAndreTour.com is all the dates and ticket information. And I was on the Eric Andre show, as you're about to hear, if you remember that. Eric and I tell the story about my prank and why it was edited the way it was. It was about 10 seconds long. Eric also explains what happened when actor John Hamm was on the show, how Dennis Rodman and Vivica A. Fox reacted to their pranks. He shows who actually walked off in the set in the middle of shooting and how LeVar Burton was able to be on the show without getting pranked. Eric's a big LeVar Burton fan. Um, Eric was also on the most recent season of The Righteous Gemstones. Talks about working with Danny McBride and his crew. It's a great conversation with Eric Andre, and it starts right here, right now, on Talk is Jericho. Where are you? In Madison, Wisconsin, here with uh, Eric Andre, and I just found out that I'm on Central Time, so I was tardy. I was tardy for you, man, and I don't, uh, I don't like doing that, so my apologies. Are you wrestling out there, or are you living out there? No, no, no. We got uh, a Fozzie tour right now, so we're on tour with the band. The band's tour. Nice. I love Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I haven't seen you in a while, man. Uh, obviously, very, very cool to reconnect with you. Every year on your birthday, you send me an invitation to come wrestle in your backyard. <laughs> Still holding you to it, man. Still looking for you. I'm like, I don't really do birthday parties anymore, but for you, I'd consider it. Why? You don't got to drink. We got non-alcoholic stuff. The last time I wrestled a uh, birthday party, a kid's birthday party, probably when I was about 20 years old, and I got paid a hot dog and a glass of orange juice. So can you get that? <laughs> I can't. I don't have that kind of budget. <laughs> well, you don't have to wrestle. You can just come hang out. We can arm wrestle. I think that'd be even more fun to do that, man. Absolutely. <laughs> L- lots of stuff to talk about today, but let's let's go into uh, the time when I did your show, the Eric Andre show. What an amazing, ridiculously fun experience it was. And I don't know if you remember, we did the bit and you cut it down to about 
three seconds. It was very, very quick. <laughs> Do you remember this? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think I think you just like fall into a hole or something. You know, the most common complaint I get from guests after an interview is why did you torture me for so long and you only aired like 60 seconds of it? And it's because it's a quarter hour show and we have to just shave everything down. But yours is particularly stumpy. I wish we could go back into that footage and release like a extended dance remix. But it might have been like we were coming down to the wire and Adult Swim was like, you have to get that episode down to 11 minutes, 15 seconds. And you might have just like had some sacrificial lamb stuff going on, but you were great. I'm such a massive fan. Uh, like I grew up on you. So it was like very intimidating interviewing you because um, you're like mythological to me. <laughs> you know, I just grew up watching you wrestle. You're just such an amazing, talented performer. I um, I think I was a bit nervous during that. I think it's like, you know, wrestling is one of my biggest influences for my show, but um, I'm sorry that you <laughs> you got cut to three seconds. I don't think it was three seconds, but it was it was stumpy on the timeline. <laughs> my son just discovered the show. How old, how old is he? He's uh, 19 now. Wow. Yeah. So he was asking me, like, did you even understand what you were getting yourself into with with that show? And it's funny because you mentioned that you that you you said that you were kind of nervous or whatever, but you weren't nervous because you actually took off your your suit and sat on my lap completely naked. <laughs> you know what? That's my way of expressing nervousness. <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, Hannibal made like uh, uh, pina coladas and poured it. I think he poured it over my head. Oh uh, God. <laughs> So you mentioned before, though, that that wrestling kind of influenced your show. Wrestling is like a major influence. I grew up watching WCW and WWF when it was when WWE when it was WWF and ECW, Terry Funk. You can't even show blood on WWE now. But I remember like the wrestling we grew up watching, like dudes would like eat glass. Roddy Roddy Piper <laughs> would smash beer bottles over his head, right. face. And like do a promo while bleeding down his face. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. It wasn't just wrestling. It was like performance art, man. It was fucking like crazy. And like you, you hear like podcasts that were like Iron Sheik would do crazy drugs with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. They would do like, they would speedball, like they would do like heroin and cocaine right. and like 80 steroids and trucker speed before matches <laughs> it was hardcore like any like rock star motley crew whatever like documentary you're about you're like dude if they followed hacksaw jim duggan around with a camera for 24 <laughs> hours in like 1983 you would have been like oh, what, what the heck put it in his so wrestling for me i was a big you know i had wwf bedroom sheets since I was three <laughs> right, years old right, right, right. With, with, with Junkyard Dog on them. Junkyard Dog Macho Man and Hogan on them. And like, I could see why Andy Kaufman flocked to it. It's like, sure. It's not, it's not just athleticism and what you have to put your body through. It's also the craziest platform for performance art. And I, I read this book on screenplay writing and it said wrestling is the 
longest running soap opera in history. In history. True. So she's such a major influence on my life and my comedy. It like shaped my worldview because it's everyone can understand. It's it's tickling everybody in the brain. It's primal, it's intellectual. It, it like you see wrestling fans, they're all walks of life. It really unites the world more than any other like sport. Like you can't get Americans into soccer. You can get the world into wrestling. You know, so I don't know. It just um spoke to me at such a young age and I've like I just grew up on your work so much. So I was like so pumped to have you on the show. I'm sorry, we whittled it down. It might have been one of those things where we had a deadline and like there's just like things in episode. There's tons of stuff that I should go back and air that I like regret cutting or we just had to cut because your back's against the wall when you have those editing deadlines and you just have to get the you have to get the thing down to an 11 minute runtime. You would use kind of the flying by the seat of your pants type of attitude from wrestling for your show, for the Eric Andre show. It just kind of, there was no rules. There was no limits. Kind of, that was the idea that you had. Yeah. Well, I loved how emotionally volatile wrestlers were. (laughs) Ultimate warrior. And also the promos. The promos were like more influential on my life sometimes Mm -hmm. than, than the actual matches. You know, Macho Man, Macho Man promos, I would have them like memorized when I was a kid. <laughs> he was like the master of who are your influences growing up with wrestling? What gen- what what generation of wrestlers did you the same uh, ones, who, you know, the, the the that kind of late 80s resurgence, Hulkamania time with with like you mentioned, Macho Man and Ultimate Warrior and those types of guys, Bobby Heenan and 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 yeah. that, you know, Hogan himself actually. So because I, I was the same as you. The matches were great, but I was always attracted to the characters and the yeah. storylines and the fact you could be a complete individual. You know, it wasn't a team sport or anything like that. It's a lot like stand-up. Right. Were, were you a Ric Flair fan? We didn't get a lot of Flair out because I grew up in Canada, so we didn't have a lot of Flair. But obviously, I'm a, I'm a Flair fan now. Were you? Did you not get D- WCW up in Canada? No, we, 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 it was called NWA back then, so we didn't get that at the time. But you got WWF. Yeah, of course, right. And AWA prior to that, which was from Minneapolis, which is where Hogan started and a lot of the guys started in that area as well. Did you ever see any ECW growing up? You didn't get ECW. I was in ECW. That's the thing. So I, we didn't really get it, but but it was on satellite. You know what I mean? So you could access it that way. Oh, you started at ECW? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd been wrestling for a few years prior to that, but I was there in about 95 or so. So I, I understand kind of what you're saying about about how 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 the, the attitude and kind of the, like I said, the, the inanity of pro wrestling would influence your show because the Eric Andre show definitely had that same vibe to it. I love that everyone was terrified of Andre the Giant. I just watched the documentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't think of wrestlers being terrified of anybody because they're yeah. just like they're 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 machines. <laughs> so so if you hear that like Macho Man and Hulk Hogan was like going to like the locker room or whatever, and he'd just be like smoking and playing poker. And he'd be like, Did he with Hulk Hogan? Did he say something like, You're gonna win the match today? And he's like, Well, what do you mean? And like didn't say anything. Didn't, didn't say anything. Like Wrestling docs, too. I was obsessed with The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. 
Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let's talk about the Eric Andre though, show, though. I, I want to find out, like, how did you pitch this show originally for Adult Swim? What was kind of your idea for it? Sorry, I'm hijacking. I'm nerding <laughs> <That's right>. out about <laughs> Andre is Jericho here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was doing stand-up. I went to a jazz college in Boston, and I was realizing as I was finishing jazz school that I'd made a terrible mistake as far as, like, figuring out what to do career-wise. Right. So as I was finishing jazz college, I was uh, started doing stand-up in Boston, around Boston. I really, I loved it, and I felt like there's merit to pursuing it more than jazz, which is like getting a degree in Sanskrit. Really. <laughs> so jazz is like jazz is like learning a dead language. It's like a de- yeah, it's a degree in Latin. So yeah. Then I moved to New York, and I was doing chicken shit open mics everywhere, and working a day job. And I just had this idea for this wild, insane talk show that was just a mixed salad of my influences. All the, because, you know, in college, in high school and into college, it was Tom Green show and Jackass and LG show, but also Wonder Shows and Ren Stimpy and Beavis and Butthead and Chappelle show. And I love Naked Gun and Airplane. So, I just kind of like, they just all merged in my mind. And I knew this NBC executive and I, I pitched her my idea and she was like, it seems so specific and you have such a specific vision for it, but it seems like something that couldn't be sold with a script. It seems like it has to jump off the page and you have an idea for the vision of it. So I was like, I, I, I have to film a little. So I scrounged up whatever money I had, which was like nothing. And I knew I had to film it myself and it took me forever. And I had to like beg people to, borrow equipment and borrow spaces and spend whatever money I had on dumb costumes and fluffer and other sandwiches for <laughs> a crew, a crew of two people. And then I bought final cut for dummies and I had to download like a, a editing software, like a cracked version of editing software. And I taught myself like to edit. It took me like a year to edit like a seven minute thing. Right. But I, around 2010, I got that into the hands of the president of adult swim. I loved it. Mm. And they had had a talk show since Space Ghost. And he was like, let's make a pilot. We made a pilot the next year, 2011, then 2012, they picked it up. Yeah, so we're on our 11th year of the show and the sixth season. It came out of, uh, it was also terrifying. I like, it hadn't shot any pranks before. I remember we did this prank where we crashed like a, a colonial civil war reenactment. Me and my friend Jermaine, we dressed like slaves and we crashed a <laughs> civil war reenactment. I like ran around with our white friend Sean chasing us with a whip, like, get back here. <laughs> and like, we shot it all hidden camera. We had no permission to be there. And my friend Jermaine and Sean, they didn't know it was, they thought I was asking to shoot a sketch. And we were like driving deep into like Pennsylvania or something. And they're like, where are we going to shoot the sketch? I was like, we're crashing a real. Civil War reenactment. They're like, oh, this isn't like a scripted thing. I go, no, these are real people. And they all started chitting water. You know, so it was terrifying. And I was like, okay, if I say mustard, that means the police are coming. If I say ketchup, that means the ambulance is coming. And I got hurt. Somebody attacked me. And my friends are like, wait, what is going on? But um, that was the, the salad days. And uh, that's where it started. The idea, though, was like when, when people would come on your show, you wouldn't fill them in that you were going to be doing a lot of these crazy things. A lot of people had no idea 
what they were getting themselves into. They still don't. I, I, I don't tell anybody anything. Right. If they watch the show, we try to not even tell their publicist the name of the show. We try to say, like, it's a very popular show, and we'll drop some names. We'll be like Chris Rock and Jimmy Kimmel and Seth Rogen have been on it. So they go, okay, that seems legit. Yeah. And then when people are on a publicity tour, they get roped into thing. I get roped into not roped into, but like I, I, I blindly say yes to a lot of stuff that I do for. Yeah, you don't know. You just see all the. It's a, it's a television hit, so television's good. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. So we uh, do people into the studio. And we just hope that they don't recognize me. But I'm, I'm meeting people for the first time on camera and um, sending them to the moon. <laughs> so, what were some of the some of the best moments of people not understanding what was going on for you? Oh man, we've had some walkouts and some. <laughs> the best thing, the best thing is these people that slink out. Like we had Tashina Arnold, she's from the show Martin She, she was on, and we had a bunch of um, African hissing cockroaches come out of my coffee mug on the desk. <laughs> Man, she was stressed, and then she started running away, and we had this long feather on a stick, and we would tickle the back of her ankles as she was running away, <laughs> like from behind. So, like, she, <laughs> she really didn't like that. And we had the rapper Ti, he kind of walked out because. We had a lot of male nudity, full frontal male nudity. Right. And uh, when dicks are flying around, the rappers get a little uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, those rappers. Yeah. Always scared of dicks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the sausage phobia. No, I mean, I, it was crazy because I remember even just the, because we did film quite a bit, uh, just the stuff you would start doing at the desk of just like, you'd start having like the shake, oh, like stuff like that. Or you take a chainsaw and just start sawing the desk. And it's like, whatever crossed your mind to do, you would just do it. Yeah. And I think, you know, hoping for people to just flip out and react. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people had no idea what the fuck it was that you were, that you were doing when they were on the show. Yeah, you were hard to paint because you've been through ECW, which is like the wild. That was probably like another day at the office. Yeah, and I, I knew, like, I knew because I, I did my research on it. And I knew what you were doing, so I was, I, I was playing along with it, which I think was probably another reason why it was such a short little bit. Because oh yeah, when people play along, my editors, yeah, we have a term for it. We call it wrong side of the couch. <laughs> so we wait, and I'll wear a person down until they're really, really just can't. Take it anymore. Like we had John Hamm on, and he started out by trying to play along. And then I started going down the train of being like, now you were in Baby Driver with Kevin Spacey. And he's like, uh, yeah, like where's this going? And I was like, and you supported all the things that he did to young boys. He's like, I did not do that at all. And I'm like, well, the jury's out on that. And he's like, no, oh, the jury's in. And then I started seeing the beads of sweat for months. Now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> and we just snipped all this stuff out that he's like playing along. And then when he started, when that little furrowed <laughs> flop sweat started forming, then I'm like, all right, now I'm in business. So yeah, you might have been like unflappable. I can't quite remember, but like you might have been like an unflappable. Raymond Cruz was like that from Tuco from Breaking Bad. He was very, he's from East LA, like Boyle Heights. So he was very hard to face. Like you right. see people like, shot in front of him in his childhood. So he was just like, ah, okay, you're trying to sit on my dick or whatever the fuck I was trying to go for. Uh, he was, I think I tried to interview his penis. But uh, you know who really didn't care for my shenanigans? Steve Shripa from The, from the Sopranos was on. And uh, he was trying to sell his marinara sauce. He was making a marinara sauce. And the naked PA came out and undid the jar lid and dipped his <laughs> testicles in the marinara sauce. <laughs> 
And Steve Sherbert goes, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really think it's respectful what that guy just did with my sauce. And I went, some people are going to use your sauce for that particular reason. <laughs> and he's like, that's not true. And I go, how do you know? There's a whole market that you could be tapping into that yeah, you can't leave. You know, don't leave money on the table. <laughs> he was very upset. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just trying to tap into the little fucker I was in, in middle school. You know, right. the like things I would do in the lunchroom to make my friends laugh. You don't care. You, you have to have no filter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just your id. You have to tap into your id. That's why I like, love Howard Stern so much. He had such a, he has such a great ability to happen to his id but it's like uh, it's all in fun you know the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You mentioned that some guests were, were, were unflappable. Did anybody ever get to you? Yeah, Flava Flav and Dennis Rodman are so crazy uh-huh. that when I interviewed them, they weren't phased. I think at like one point I rested my balls on Dennis Rodman's shoulder and he was like, Woo, we're having a party. He was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were just like, yeah. Like you can tell they've been drunk since 1991. And they're like, yeah. Woo. Like they've seen it all. They can see it all. So they're just like, yeah, I'm at the party. I'm at the party I was just at for the past 30 years. <laughs> You mentioned before earlier having those hissing cockroaches. What were some of the best pranks that you ever played on the show? Gosh, they're all my children. It's hard to say. All right. Yeah, good call. When you have um, pestilence seeping out of the desk that is uh, like snakes and roaches and and just explosions, uh, we had a record number of um, emergency vehicles called on this this season. We had the number. It was like 32 cops, 12 fire trucks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would, I would not even have a design. We we're just trying to always up the ante. I remember there's a prank where we had one actor playing this cop that was all like unconscious and bloody on the side. And I was like, I told the guy I was pranking, I was like, help me melt this cop back to hell. Then I reached into the cop's pants and started like jerking him <laughs> off. <laughs> we were in Newark, New Jersey, and like 55 cops showed up. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I'm just, I'm just. Joking. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's kind of what you did with your book, uh, Dumb Ideas, is kind of writing about the art of the prank. Am I correct with that? Yeah, in the middle of quarantine, me and my writing partner were like, I've been delaying writing a book. They're like, this book, literary agent reached out to me. He's like, you got to write a book. You got to write a book. You know, quarantine, all you can do is animation, podcast, writing. So I was like, I think it's time. And I, I leaned on my right partner, Dan Curry, like helped me. Uh, I was like, let's let's just send each other funny pranks every day and funny essays. And let's just try to crack each other up every morning. And we just did that until we had more than enough to fit, fill a book. And then we started whittling down. Uh, but yeah, it's like not just behind the scenes stories about 
Eric Andre show pranks and, and the movie we did, Bad Trip, but it's also like just pranks we grew up doing in high school and stuff to our friends. What were some of them that they have? Because there's a little bit of a list here. Like, for example, the Jello Surprise. Wait, the Jello Surprise. Is that one of the ones like you can do at home? We were trying yeah. to make, write it. We were trying to write it like um, one of those old Penn and Teller books where they teach you how to do magic tricks that can like piss off your parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up on that book. So it started out, our book started out that way. We just started like, writing pranks you can do at home. But um, we realized that like, that's not enough material to fill whatever our word count requirement was. But wait, which one is Jello Surprise? I don't have them memorized, I'll tell you that. I don't know, it says Jello Surprise, Benadryl Stakes, Amateur Grave Robber, and the Jim Morrison. Benadryl Stakes, I remember, like it's a way to prank a dog. It's like if your neighbor's dog won't shut the fuck up, <laughs> I had a neighbor's dog that would like bark incessantly all through the night. Every night, it was like a nightmare. So me and the other neighbors started putting Benadryls in the state. Well, I didn't do this, but the way neighbors <laughs> was like, I'm gonna put Benadryls in, in like a nice porterhouse steak and chuck it over <laughs> the fence so the dog eats it. And goes to sleep. <laughs> so you got those types of things in there as well. Yeah, yeah. It, it would seem like that's kind of the whole concept behind the Eric Andre show was just what kind of pranks can you play to to, to crack people? I mean, it was just a, it was a prank show essentially, right? Yeah, it was. A, it's a prank show, so it's like, yeah, it's like, how do you? Because celebrities ooze confidence, right? You want to see, okay, how can I put this person that I normally see on TV being this like alpha type, right? How do I get them out of their comfort zone? Which is the complete opposite of what an actual talk show would do. An actual talk show would you'd want to get the guests comfortable. You'd want as a host to do your research and know about the guest background and what the guest is promoting. But I want to be like completely dysfunctional as a talk show host. So I want to make the guest uncomfortable. I want to know nothing about them, know nothing about help, help not help them at all with what they're promoting and just put them in this jigsaw circle of hell. So they have a breakdown. I also like cope with anxiety. So uh, it's like creating this like anxiety nightmare world that's like a manifestation of my own anxiety was there anybody you ever had on that you were nervous to have on like you mentioned me whatever you <laughs> besides me was there other other influences like people that, that you had a lot of respect for that came on you felt bad about pranking yeah well i the only one that was willing to come on the show that i couldn't bring myself to prank was lavar burton from reading rainbow oh wow and I just had him do, I had him help me prank another guest and come out during an interview. I was just, I told my, I called my editor, Luke Lynch, and I was like, LeVar Burton come, is coming on the show, but I, I grew up on Reading Rainbow. <laughs> I saw, I watched Reading Rainbow since the, like, it's one of the first television shows I was like, felt a connection with. <laughs> I was like, I can't, it's like pranking Santa Claus. I was like, I can't. I can't feel good about making LeVar Burton uncomfortable. <laughs> and I've never had that feeling before. I usually go into the show like a cold-blooded assassin. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. It's funny that, you, that it's LeVar Burton from Reading Rainbow and not from, like, Star Trek 
or from like roots. It's the, it's the reading rainbow that, that really got you. <laughs> yeah, it is. Star Trek and roots as well, for sure. But like reading rainbow, it's like, I, I couldn't prank my kindergarten teacher. Too nice to you or something? Yeah. It just feels like evil about that in a way that when I'm pranking somebody, I don't feel like I'm like malicious, but I feel like a little kid getting a rise out of their big brother or their big sister. It feels like it's coming from brotherly love. Uh-huh. LeVar Burton is like uh, my godfather. <laughs> That's great. That's very random. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Has there ever been any time when you when you, you mentioned the police coming for you? Did you ever get arrested for any prank that you've ever done? Yeah, I've got arrested a couple times. I... I I did this prank where uh, there was a town hall meeting in, in a city called Rancho Cucamonga, California, and the the gentry, the uh, residents of the town, they were complaining about like parking or loading zones or some like municipal issue. And uh, the mayor was there, and all the city council people were there. And I was dressed as like a frat boy with like Greek letters on my shirt, and I I ran up to the podium as the mayor was talking. And I was like, what's up, y'all? Vote for me for class president, and I'm going to put beer in the water fountains, baby. Woo! Go Bobcats, USA. I was just trying to do like a Belushi Animal House kind of <laughs> character. And I started chugging a, a can of Sprite, but I covered it so it looked like a Heineken. Yeah. And I started chugging it, and the sheriff, there was like 20 sheriffs there, so they were like, what? So they just like walked up, they wanted to squirt me out, and I was like, don't tase me, bro. And that was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Um, they took me to jail. They took me to jail. The sheriff was like, dude, you prank my boss. The mayor's my boss. I have to yeah. charge you for uh, it. was disturbing piece. Oh, I also told the sheriff my name was John Coltrane. So he started looking up at his like cop car computer, John Coltrane. And he was like, you're not coming up with the system, Coltrane. And so that was another charge. It was like disturbing the peace and um, false identity or something. False identity, yeah. It was something weirdly techy. It was like corrupting an investigation or something like that. <laughs> so when, you, when you're doing these pranks, are you, are, you, are you filming them? Or are you just doing them for the hell yeah. of it? Okay. No, no. I filmed that was for season one of the Eric Andre show. We didn't know how to produce pranks yet. So we gotcha. didn't know what, what you can do, what you can't do, what's legal, what's illegal. We were uh, flying by the seat of our pants. Have you ever been hurt from a prank? Yeah. I put my hand through a glass window one time and sliced up my fingers. I didn't know when I started doing stunts that stunt performers wear pads and crash (laughs) into padding. So I would just like run, launch off the desk, fly through a shelf and land on the concrete of the studio floor and just like rock myself. I remember like interviewing Vivica Fox. I jumped up on my desk ass first with both legs in the air and came down on my tailbone and it sent this like shockwave up my spine and the rest of like the year I was walking around like a yeah. back in Notre Dame like my spine like seized up 
it was like scoliosis shaped, like Elephant Man. And so I was like, right. oh, 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 and it didn't unseize for like a long time. It was, I should have gone to the doctor. <laughs> I should have gone to the doctor. Yeah, if you hurt yourself wrestling, you must have destroyed yourself, right? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit more controlled. Like you said, we, we do know how to, you know, fall in the right places to, to minimize the pain. I did yeah. fall on a ladder once and bruise my cossacks which is right at the end of the tailbone. So it's not, it's, it's this little part of the tailbone that's uh, at the end of the actual tailbone. During a match or while you were re- practicing? Yeah, during, no, no, during a match, during a match. I went to the doctor and he said, you have a bruised Cossack bone. I'm like, what can I do? He goes, what do you want me to do? Put a cast on it? Like, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> yeah, you know, nothing. You just got to Tony Hawk broke his pelvis and he's like, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. You just have to be in misery for a year. <laughs> yeah, just deal with it. S- sit on a donut type of thing. I, I was remembering too, as we're talking, like, like you mentioned jumping up on your desk. I remember even your, your studio was such like a scummy little shitty little studio. Like, we're just <laughs> walking so up gross. like, this is so gross. Exactly. The carpet yeah. is all worn. It just, that was another great part of the whole situation too. We had a big chunk of carpet one time. We sprayed all this fake blood all over for a sketch. <laughs> The fake blood, I think it had sugar in it or something. So we, we rolled up the carpet, we threw it out, started smelling. Rolled up the carpet, we threw it out in the dumpster. The next week, we were like, we got it. We were out of, we were always running out of money. So we're like, we need that carpet back. <laughs> and my art department dude, Nick, went to go grab it and he unfurled the carpet and it was like Joe's apartment, like millions of cockroaches. Oh. Like, <laughs> 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 like, Investigation. It's like a cockroach colony and emerging. Wait, so you bruised your cossack? What did you do? Were you done with the match at that point, or did you have to continue wrestling? I had to continue because it was a ladder match, so I kind of fell on it. But yeah, you know, and and you know how that is too. I'm sure it's the same when you're filming. You've got adrenaline. Adrenaline, yeah, yeah. You know, you're on camera. It's live. I mean, but as soon as it was done, the next morning it was like you know. Get me a pair uh, of crutches so I can walk. It was pretty uh, bad. God. I mean, one time, this was recent. I'm doing it like a live version of my show. I jumped off, say, I just turned 40 in April. So it was a very, this is 40 moment. I jumped off stage. The crowd parted. Oh, no. Which I, thought, I thought they were going to catch me. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, I'm not fucking catching you, old man. <laughs> They parted, and I went right down on my shoulder blade, right on the concrete floor. Boom! And then same thing, my, like, shoulder blade, like, seized up. And it was, like, the first 10 seconds of the show. The rest of the show, I had to, like, yeah, yeah. walk around like a chicken wing. And, like, <laughs> uh, and then as soon as I was done, the adrenaline wore, wore off, like, an hour later after I got off stage. I thought I broke a rib. It was, like, it hurt to breathe. It hurt to laugh. It hurt when I coughed or sneezed. It sucked. Well, and it's it, it, what you're saying. This is that the explosion tour that you're doing. It's kind of it, yeah. so you do a live version of the of the Eric Andre show. Like, what exactly yeah. do you do? On, is it stand up? Is it? Yeah, no. I, inter- I I destroy the whole stage. I interview people. I bring people out of the crowd and interview them. I get like a big jolly boy up on stage, and I hook him up to this Janet Jackson sex ex sex swing thing, and I like tweak his nips, and I like uh, <laughs> jerk him off into the crowd. <laughs> It's like a Guar concert, <laughs> and I'll, get, I'll find like the local celebrity in each town and interview them on stage. Whether it's like a rapper or like a weatherman, whatever. Uh, we show videos. We show. It's just the best. I make people like we had this guy in Grand Rapids. I made him. He's that guy on TikTok. He has like a huge ass. He's a skateboarder. He's got, his name is uh, Frankie, 
And I made them chug like four Red Bulls, four beers, four coffees, and like something else. Oh, hot sauce, oh, all back to back, all in one go. <laughs> and he started like vomiting on stage. And I made him crowd surf. <laughs> yeah, it's just a bunch of nonsense. It seems like it's, it's, a, it's a lot of improv. You, you seem pretty fearless. It's actually, it's actually like the TV show where it's like very controlled chaos. It's like, I have a ton of bits written and ready to go, but we improv within gotcha. the thing, you know? So it's like Carrot Top meets Gallagher meets Gigi Allen, I think is the, the comp for the show. Gigi Allen. <laughs> what, a, what an influence he was for sure, right? He, yeah, yeah. He had a bit of a Terry Funk. Yeah, no kidding. I told him. wire match kind of thing. Oh, yeah, he had that mentality for sure as well, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. He goes, he's human monster. He's an absolute. He would shit on stage and like throw his poop, eat it and like yeah. throw his poop at you and like break bottles over his face and stuff. What a nightmare I remember I, I somebody had a documentary of him or some kind of home movie foot Todd Phillips wow he did that Todd Phillips dropped out of NYU film school when he was like 19 years old to follow Gigi Allen around for a year with a camera wow that was his first magnum opus yeah that's how he started and now he's like he's multi-millionaire huge. from three hangover movies and then everything else but that's what that was his start it's pretty crazy you could tell 19 year old Todd Phillips was like who is this guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does he do? Right, right, right. Where is he? He's also in the East Village. He's also in downtown New York. <laughs> I get well, okay. See, grab as many cameras as NYU will let me borrow. Just follow this maniac around for you. We did a, a show in Savannah. For some reason, it was Fozzie, which is my band, and the Murder Junkies. Oh, boy. Which was Gigi Allen's band, but he obviously yeah. Gigi's not with us anymore. And his brother Merle. And it was the worst kind of booking ever, like these two bands together. I remember we played in front of like punks who weren't having our heavy <laughs> oh, metal no. madness in the least. Oh, no. <laughs> Still- yeah, man. Oh, these guys are gnarly. Top gnarliness. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So another cool thing that I, I was just uh, got into Righteous Gemstones and season three, I believe it is. You that's pretty much you're in every episode, and it was awesome to see you with your parted hair, which was amazing. How was it for you acting? Because obviously you, you're so off the cuff and crazy. This character is a little bit more, you know, there's more rules when you're actually doing doing acting and, and playing a, a part. It's great. Are you kidding me? Yeah. No one's gonna arrest me. I'm not worried about getting arrested. I'm not worried about getting attacked. I'm not worried about chipping the end of my tailbone off. <laughs> right. You know, making pranks is so much more stressful than any other medium that whenever I do like a scripted show, I'm like, wow, this is a breeze. And also like any other show I've ever done has way more money than the Eric Andre shows. So I'm like, <laughs> wow, I can have all the sun chips I want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also Danny McBride and all the roughhouse guys, the, the people that make Regis Gemstones and Eastbound and Down and Vice Principals, they're like 
so awesome and sweet. And we were shot Charleston, South Carolina, which is such a fun town, amazing restaurants. I just had such a blast with those guys. I would like, I'll work with them forever and ever till the ends of the world. They're just like so down to earth, so collaborative, no egos, no dickheads. The cast is awesome. It's like no dickheads allowed. Right. And there's so many unwell people in showbiz. So it's such a, a nurturing, non-toxic environment. It was like a, a thrill. And when you just when you're just acting and you don't have the stress of producing or writing on top of performing, right. It is so relaxing. Like, you know, I would rehearse my scenes with my acting coach or my assistant or somebody else in the cast or a friend. And then once I got the scene in my bones and I felt like I rehearsed it to the point where I don't want it to be rigid anymore, I was like, wait, I have the rest of the day. I don't think being back-to-back meetings the one in the morning. I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to go eat. I, I like, didn't know what to do with that much time. Right, right. Eric Andre, Eric Andre showed there's no downtime. You're either filming or you're in 9,000 back-to-back meetings prepping the next nightmare thing that you're filming. So it's great not being not, not having the burden of producing another is the Eric Andre show that's that's that five nights a week? We shoot it in just a big. It, it, it's it takes eleven months or one season of the show, so it's six oh weeks gosh. of a writer's room, six weeks of prep, six seven weeks of shooting, and six months of editing. Wow, wow, wow! So, so how do you keep the show fresh now after doing it for so long? And how do you get people to come on that still don't know what the show is? People, don't, well, we we try our best not to tell people my name or the name of the show. Gotcha. But even when that fails, we try to tell people very little. And even if they do their own research, when African hissing cockroaches are flying at you and explosives are going off under your feet and <laughs> scorpions are raining down and I have a, a, an electric cattle prod in my hand, you're going to have a reaction no matter what. <laughs> it's probably more along lines, too, that people want to be on the show now that it's got such a, such name value, you know? Yeah. You, people will ask me to be on the show and I'll be like, it's your funeral, man. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> I'm still thinking back when when I was on and you had me walk through the stage. There's a hole in the stage, and then this cra- crazy like matinee music comes on, like dan pa dan dan dan. It's like it pauses. I mean, like you said, it really is all in the edit, right? It's all in the edit. I wish we showed more. Yeah, I gotta think of that footage. You know, uh, think about think about keeping it fresh. Like think about the jackass guys. Like they all know. They're going to prank each other, but they don't know how they're going to prank each other. So even 25 years later, you know, the last Jackass movie, when you walk into a porta potty and they detonate an explosive underneath it while you're taking a shit, you're going to have a reaction. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You mentioned, uh, as we start to wind down here, you mentioned Howard Stern earlier and how he was influenced you on, on, on some of the stuff that you've done. You've done his show a few times and there was... I don't uh, have many pictures in my office but this is like one of the i don't have a single picture of myself in my house but this is one of the only pictures i have hanging up in my office that's like my oscar i have that and an uh, autographed uh slipknot <laughs> um, so tell us about about your experiences on on doing howard's show because there's one in particular that i remember seeing that was pretty ridiculous <laughs> he's the king he's the goat you know he's um the godfather he he took a medium he took a dying medium radio where he could have been a television mogul or a movie mogul and he went to radio and he used his massive brain and fought tooth and nail his entire life to 
unleash his form of punk rock subversive creativity into this really kind of traditional restricted medium right and fought at nothing and stopped at nothing to bring this like anarchic chaotic i don't know he's just a genius he's a genius i i, I feel such a deep level of gratitude that he has me on so often i just love the guy he's like a father figure to me comedically even before i met him like his influence his ability to stick to his guns and stop at nothing to fight for creative freedom and win ultimately and make so much money doing it and, and have so much success and fame as, as a radio DJ, as the most successful radio DJ. I don't know. He's just unbelievably brilliant. And I see how when I'm there and I have the pleasure of being interviewed by, by him four times at this point, it's like, um, it's such a pleasure seeing like how, what a well-oiled machine it is over there. I don't know. He's really, um, he's the best. So what prompted you to, to, to ride the Sibian? <laughs> oh, the Sibian? Sibian? I wanted to be the first male guest to ride the Sibian. So I took a Viagra. I was going to take X-Lax and Jason Kaplan goes, Howard doesn't want you to shit all over the Sibian. I was like, that's fair. So I took an X-Lax, I took a, I took a, a uh, Viagra, which I'd never taken before. And it didn't really work, but, uh, and I rode the Sibian and I wanted to, uh, I got naked and I wanted to achieve climax, but it just made, I, I just felt like I had to take a shit. It made my blood hole itch. <laughs> well, the, Sib- <laughs> the Sibian is a, is, a, is a masturbation machine and he has the girls ride it. Yes, it would be better if I had a clitoris. <laughs> if I had a clitoris, it would have been a more successful venture. But alas, I do not. I was not born with it. Such machinery. <laughs> uh, last few things, man. What, what's what's like for we're talking about pranks and that sort of a thing. What's your favorite prank that you've ever pulled outside of the Eric Andre show? We did a movie Bad Trip, and there's a scene where I, I uh, my character breaks into a gorilla enclosure at the zoo and tries to take a selfie with the gorilla. And the gorilla, who was a man in a, a hyper realistic looking gorilla outfit, but the, the people who were pranking did it us, uh, kind of like attacks me holds me hostage and then he starts bucking me from behind in front of all the zoo goers we did not we were like 10 percent chance we would buy this and they all bought it and um it's like one of the greatest pranks it's what it's it, i think it's what made the movie a, a hit bad trip is great because it's 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 a movie but it's all based around the pranks though yeah so like it's it's a narrative movie but it's told through hitting camera pranks all with real people there's not one single reaction to the movie that's fake when you do those, man, like how, how can you keep, a, I mean, obviously you got it down to a science, but how can you keep a straight face for this? Is you just get into character like you are turning into the guy? Yeah, I mean, so much stress and pressure goes into pre-production and production and so much money is being spent and it's so high stakes and you need the movie to work that you don't want to blow it at the finish line because uh, you need the movie to, um, to be a success. And also like, Everybody is not writing against you, but like you, have, I, I was still like, yeah, I had to prove myself and continue to prove myself to the world. So it's just too much pressure. It's too much pressure to like start cracking me up. I, I, I'm under stress when I'm shooting a prank. I'm not. It's fun and funny when you're watching it at home by the time it's edited. But while you're doing it, it's, it's quite stressful. Last question for you. Who's, who's been your favorite guest on the Eric Andre show as far as like the, the reaction and the pranks that you played on them? 
There must be some that stand out for you. I'm looking at him right ah, now. Ah, stop. Chris Jericho. Oh, stop. Oh, stop. Chris Jericho, <laughs> lead singer of the Murder Junkies. <laughs> <laughs> Was there somebody else that stood up for you for the reaction of a prank or something? Oh, my. I mean, so many. Uh, Robin Gibbons is really great because <laughs> she was so strange. She had no idea what the show was. I think her son talked her into it. So shout out to her son. So many people. It's a hard thing. And Wiz Khalifa, Seth Rogen, Jimmy Kimmel. What did you What did you do to Robin that like she said she was stressed out? With um, I'm trying to think. <laughs> I think there was a lot of explosives. I think. Oh, we had like a little live alligator on a skateboard that came out. She didn't like that. They made a bunch of like bugs in a box that we were like trying to convince her to put her hand in the box. It's a lot of stuff she wasn't crazy about. Well, dude, it's been great talking to you, man. And congrats on everything. Good talking to you, brother. And uh, I'll have to come to your birthday party uh, one of these years. Absolutely. (laughs) Love love you, dude. Thanks. Thanks so much. Thanks, man. man. Talk to you soon. Bye. I appreciate it. All right. Talk to you soon.